So I had a presentation in class today that um, I didn't know that everybody had to dress uh, uh, business casual. And I pulled up in a t-shirt, <laughs> some nylon <laughs> pants, and some busted Air no, Forces. No, say it, say it how it is. You, you pulled up in sweatpants for the no, first time. No, they're not sweatpants. Cool. They're not sweatpants. They're nylon fabric. It's a lot. Guys, I'm telling you, this man never wears sweats. But this is the day that he chose to wear sweats. And he was so excited and happy about it. But he had the biggest presentation of his life that he just didn't know of. I didn't know about and I was doing it in class. <laughs> Thank God I didn't get picked on first. I started my presentation saying, hey guys, before I begin, I would like to sincerely apologize for being severely underdressed. If I were to make an excuse, it would be that I just didn't know. But tell them how you got points off because of that, because your professor genuinely would not have known unless you broadcasted that to the whole world. Anyways... Thank you guys for coming back to our podcast, Difficultish, a podcast centered around speaking about different South Asian narratives. My name, yeah, my aim. My name is Mashnoon. My name is Mahua. And on today's episode, we're just going to be talking about um, going against the grain in our community. Um, that's obviously a very broad topic, and there's a couple things that we plan on talking about, but I think. For the most part, we're going to be centering it around, you know, the fact that both of us are artists. I know we've obviously mentioned that in the past, but um, I don't think we've really gone into, you know, why we're choosing to to pursue them as as, you know, as as careers. And, you know, I feel like everybody in the world likes art. You know, everybody's into it. And, you know, there's a lot a lot Not of people everybody. that do it. If you don't like art, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I know. Go away. Go away. I know. Stop listening. Don't stop <laughs> listening, though. We, we like the retention. And there's a lot of people that, like, do it as hobbies and stuff. But there's very few people that, you know, try to try to build out a whole career and a whole brand out of it, especially in our community. So I really want to talk about, you know, the reasons why we're choosing to pursue them as something stronger than a hobby, you know? And I'm originally the person that decided to speak about this. Um, it's a very general topic, but I think the reason why I want to go into it was like, I remember it was like, it was my day off um, a couple of days ago and the whole morning I was just um, like listening to a lot of Nipsey Hussle music. And for you guys that don't know, like I'm a, I'm a huge Nipsey Hussle fan. I got really into him, unfortunately, like a little bit before he had passed. I hadn't, I haven't been like a super long-term listener. But um, I I'm a big fan of the things that he speaks about and the and all of the uh, all of the respect that he holds in in his community. So I was watching just a couple different interviews of him, and um, he's big on like motivational speech and big on being independent, big on you know fulfilling your own success. And he had a quote that um he recited in one of the interviews and and reading or hearing the quote. I wrote it down because I loved it so much. And after I wrote it down, I realized that it was something that I really resonated with and something that I actually wanted to talk about. So I will recite the quote right now. It goes, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable ones persist in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress and evolution depends on the unreasonable man. 
when I first heard that, I was like, that's that's cool. Then I heard it again, and I was like, damn, like that. I don't know. I don't know why it really hit me the second time. But um, how do you feel about that when I say that to you? Yeah. So you brought this up to me, like when you learned about this quote, and I think my reaction when I initially heard it was kind of like, if you don't go on your own path in this world you're kind of just going to end up like everyone else and you're just going to follow a route that's just similar to everyone, you know? But if you go out of your way to make your own path and do all of these things that aren't conventional, then that's when you're actually like truly changing the world. Like you're not adapting yourself to the world, but the world is like literally changing itself to how you are. And I think that's that's like literally our mantra, like for both of us for so long now. And it's like that's why it's it's like our biggest inspiration to do more until we we are like able to get to that point. I feel like it, it literally relates to like the South Asian community because, you know, we have so many people following the branch of being a doctor, lawyer, engineer. And um, you know, they're the the quote unquote the odd ones who you know, want to be a teacher, want to be an artist, want to be a musician, all that kind of jazz. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's been a thing to just recognize them as, you know, like the odd ones out, the ones that were, you know, wanting to do their own thing. It was like not looked down upon, but it was just kind of like, you know, they're there, you know, let them do them. But I feel like, at least personally, like recently, I've been really trying to get more in tune with like the South Asian creative community on like Instagram. And there's like a couple pages that I followed and like some really cool people have followed me. And I think over the last couple of weeks, I've realized like, yo, there's a lot of, like a lot of people like us that I think, you know, like we don't hear about because, you know, they're not famous or anything, but like there's a lot of people trying to, to model, trying to start their own clothing line. A lot of people who are really into like this content shit and, and yeah, just like the last couple of weeks, I've really realized like, I feel like we have to get to a place where like we, we stop calling people like us, like the odd ones and just like mm -hmm. recognize that like, we're trying to open up a whole new path in our community to, to normalize this because like, you know, yeah. in, in every other community, there's like, when it comes to like Latin culture, like it's very like accepted to you know like want to be want to become like a latin artist like a musician you know because that's very celebrated it it carries on tradition it carries on culture and heritage but i feel like for our community it's it's not given that same love you know that's that's true but i still feel like pocs are kind of expected to work harder and follow traditional routes because they just have to put in more work than than white people but but i think for both of us like i've realized that yeah now there's like an up and coming age for all of these south asian creatives and all these things but like all of these people are kind of like self-made because they don't have anyone else to look up to they don't have any other mm -hmm. south asian person doing something like them and i i think in my journey um specifically with my art and influencer not influencer but you know like just doing these different um endeavors i haven't really had anyone to ask questions or like you know get advice from so it was very difficult to like navigate this route on my own and that's why i think it's so freaking important to like you know go on 
on this route and like be the representation first of all that you've never had but also just like you know like create a whole new agenda for the whole community and the whole world you know so okay so like i guess i guess we can start with you but like you know why because you just explained like it, it's hard for us we don't got people to follow you know <laughs> so like why why know. are you doing what you're doing what what's so funny no like the fact that i said influencer even though it's not ah, but she's okay, still sorry, on that she's still on that <laughs> no, you just got I like a did, you just got like a 45 million view reel you're an influencer what the hell are you talking about you hit no, you I hit didn't. the five digit you have you hit the five digits on followers on instagram you thought i didn't see that huh i didn't see that yet guys right, i have that, to let you know i have yeah. to let you know that this man waits every single time i hit a milestone he makes a separate account on instagram <laughs> and before i even notice he waits until he can be the ten thousand follower the five thousand he was actually my one thousand follower my eight thousand follower right my right. ten thousand follower ten, right he tried being my one millionth view on a tiktok video but he couldn't do that so he ended up just staying on that video for three hundred thousand views i think something like that so but yeah you know if if i'm not gonna do it then who will you know i'm a i'm a a supportive individual you know that's facts okay okay back back to what we're saying um we can start with you why you know why why are you doing what, what you're doing like where where does it come from why are you so persistent on continuing it um you've you've explained that things are hard it's you don't have someone to follow you have people, you know, family-wise telling you, like, oh, like, maybe it's just something you do for fun. Like, what is it inside of you that made you realize, like, nah, like, I really want to do this? Well, there's there's various reasons. So the first one, specifically, is that I want to make a platform that represents my people, but mostly to just, like, make my younger self proud and just be the representation that I've never had, you know? Like... I've mentioned this before, so I don't want to bore you guys again, but just like growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in, which was very white, I didn't really have any people that look like me in media, which is very common for a lot of people, even if you were growing up in a brown society. And so I think it's very nice for like younger girls and boys to just have that person to look up to, you know, because it's just like so out of this world, really. It's it's freaking crazy. And but like, b- before before you continue, like why why do you why do you want to be that person? Like why why didn't you just you know want to help somebody else be that person, or why didn't you just want to wait around for someone else to do it? It's crazy because like my lifelong dream has always been to help people, right? And initially, in in high school, I thought I was going to be a pediatrician. I thought that I'd be helping people through you know caring for them and you know, treating them. But then I realized that my path in life wasn't to be a doctor. And I was trying to figure out how I could help people through other ways, right? And I do try helping people the best of my ability through my nonprofit um, for Bangladesh. But I think um, I just want to like use my talents with art and use that to reach more people. Because like, honestly, if you guys know, I did not do art for like three years after high school just because I wasn't having support with it and like it just wasn't fueling me anymore. But then I started getting more passionate about it again after like three years. 
And then I could have just stopped just because, you know, life comes in the way. I was in school, like I had other things to worry about, but I kept pushing through because I knew that if I had this one, one like talent in me, then I might as well keep going because it's helping one person in the beginning, right? And then it started helping like thousands of people with like me reaching people that I never even knew of, you know? So it's, do you it's feel like, like, do you, do you, do you feel like, um, do you, do you feel like your talent is like, like you've always had it, like it's God given or is it something that just like started from nothing and you just made, you know, so many people freaking ask me this or like tell me how, oh, like, you know, I've never been blessed with the talent of creating art. Like even you say that, like, oh, I can never draw like you. Yeah, I can. I don't believe I can't. that. S- stop. Like if you <laughs> asked me to draw a tree. It would look like a freaking like mountain. Like I don't know how to draw things. Like no, I can, but- I can, I can like, I can like portray what's going on in my head, but like it only makes sense to me. And but but it'll make sense to you once I guide you through it. Right. But if you ask me like, hey, draw a nice human holding a nice flower <laughs> next to a bench. Like it just, it just don't even ask me to do that. No one It'll was look like chaos. To do that. No but you one. get what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. continue. But, but you get what I'm saying. I think okay, honestly, I think any talent that you've had the privilege of learning is is a privilege just because, you know, I was allowed to have art classes growing up. My parents also well not my parents, my mom was like in the art fields, so like I had support from that realm in the beginning. So I was encouraged to do art like as I grew up and I definitely think it is very self-taught. You have to have a lot of practice. You know, I was in art classes for many, many years and I genuinely think that anyone, if they put their mind to it, like they can do it. That's with like writing, that's with playing music. That's with I, I disagree. I disagree, but continue. Right. Like I wasn't asking you to disagree or agree, but right. like this is right. my moment that's to shine. What, this is my moment like, to shine. You like you that you're entitled to your opinion, but like it's wrong. But like, go on. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, I definitely think that it's like not God given. I think that everything just comes with hard work and practice. But yeah, as I was saying, I just think that you know, if someone has a talent to do something, it's kind of like a disservice to not pursue it. Like I get it. Like it's a privilege you think so? to have. I think it's a privilege to have free time to pursue it. I think, you know, me saying that I have this talent and I'm allowed to do this, like, you know, that's asking for a lot for some people. But I think that, like, talent is not rare, but, like, talent that people pursue is rare and that, like, you can do a lot with it, you know? So um, today, you know, my sissy poo, Nabila Noor, she just uh, released her book, Beautifully Me, you know, promoting my, my little sissy poo. Um, she is I mean, literally. What, what, it's like a. It's a. It's what. It's a children's book, right? It's a children's book. It's about a little plus size Bangladeshi girl, and there's mm-hmm. like Bangla words in it, and it's it's just really heartwarming to see something like that, especially because mm-hmm. I've never. It's actually been my dream to write a children's book about um, yeah. something with Bangladesh related. Remember, I was telling you about this like in the beginning. Of the yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like just seeing that and I showed my mom that it's so crazy to see something like that's such a little, I guess, not like little, I guess it's like something that we take for granted and then mm-hmm. actually seeing something that 
is related to your culture and like your history and like who you are as a person it's so like significant like if I had that when I was growing up that would be like amazing that would have probably helped me with embracing myself and my culture from so long ago you know like it probably would have like um what's the freaking word made the process just so much quicker and easier and just seeing that now it's just very very nice to see so what I'm trying to say is like I think with my art and like me just trying to be a presence in social media and media in general is to kind of normalize the fact that like brown people are normal people too and they can also be talented and they they can also have like all these different aspirations and it's kind of just like like inspiration for other people to also pursue their dreams and just you know that little push for them to just do what they want to do you know I feel like everyone needs like that person to look up to or that person to like follow and I've never had that so yeah it's 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 nice to you know be that person for some people and literally even today like I met this other person that came up to me asking me if I'm Labyrinth Ev and that's crazy to even you have that like it's very rare that it happens but it's very nice when it does happen because it just shows that like I'm doing something right and people are recognizing me for my art and like you know me as a person and the girl that came up to me she seemed happy about it I couldn't really see through her mask but I I I know I act I used to act like that for other people too and I would just feel like so prideful and happy to be meeting someone that I was looking up to for so long and it's just very nice to like be that I guess motivation or inspiration for people that I just never had growing up and you know just like normalizing certain jobs and lifestyles you know so you would say like your your primary reason is is to to inspire others to to show others to inspire others but also just to like normalize like brown people in media like you know when when brown people are casted for certain movies like that's amazing right you know it should be celebrated that a brown person was casted as a lead role but also like it should be so normalized to the fact that we shouldn't even have to like celebrate it anymore you know like we don't celebrate when white people are like the lead roles because it's it's been like that for centuries so i like i wanted to get to a point where it's like we don't have to constantly celebrate brown people in media because it's just been like that for a while you know but i don't know i i disagree with that i think it is it's it's very important to recognize that that this person's brown and, and they can be oh no no um, i definitely uh, agree that. I, I definitely no like what, what i'm trying to say is like like i i get what you're saying is like you know it should be to like the same level as as white people like this should be like equal across the playing field like how many right. you know if there's like 10 spots in a movie like they should be like one white person one brown person one latin person like that like i get that but um like today i was on youtube and i was listening to um some some podcast and there was an ad and the ad was a it was a Verizon ad and I didn't know but it, it was Hassan Minaj just mm. like the star of the ad and I was like mm-hmm. what the hell you know mm-hmm. and like going back to what you're saying like that just made me like so like so happy you know if I was normalized to that if I like saw him a bunch of times already like I wouldn't have had that like that same mm-hmm. like love and appreciation so like same with like you know when when there's a movie like Black Panther was an all-black cast and I think that's amazing and that's like it should be noted that that oh, was yeah, an all-black cast you know 
So I don't know. Like I, I remember, um, I like I was watching like a rap battle a while ago, and this line always stuck with me. This guy was like, um, oh, like he was talking to like one of his white friends, and he was like, oh, like I don't want, um, oh, what do you say? What do you say? What are you gonna say? I'll get back to it. I'll, let me think about it real quick. No, I was gonna ask you, like, who were your brown people that you used to look up to in media? Oh. Like, I remember. I used to only have, like, Beck from Victorious. I used to have Mohini from Lemonade Mouth. Oh my god, I freaking loved her because her nickname was Mo, and that's my nickname. I loved her. I still love her. Her name was um, Emily Scott, I think. Um, I also love, you know, Zayn Malik, but that was a little bit later. That was, like, the 2011 era. Um, and then we had, like, Ravi and um, Jesse. Right, right. That's, like, it. So before before I answer that question... I remembered what the line was. So it wasn't something like, uh, I don't remember the rhyme to it, but it was like, oh, like, I don't want, I don't want your son to think that he's equal to my son. I want your son to, to recognize color. You know, like, I want Mm -hmm. him to understand that there's, that I am black and like that, that like you are white and that, you know, you can treat me equal, but understand that we're not coming from the same playing field. You know, and I feel like just mm-hmm. that general message is very important to like, we should be equal, but I, you know, you had a head start in this race and just give right. me, give me my respect and give me my, my notoriety that I got here because oh, like, like my journey was so much harder, you know? I like that. So, so yeah, um, I, I didn't have anybody to look at. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I had, ba- I had Baljeet from Vinnie, from Phineas and Ferb. And I had I had Apu from Simpsons, mm. and I. But I mean, like you know, my I guess my story is a little bit different than yours because, like, I I didn't really care about that. Like when I saw a brown person, like on on TV, I was like, oh, cool, you know. But I was really, I you know, see, it so didn't like really them. affect me to where I'm like to where I was like, oh my god, like I feel so great. There's finally some, like a brown person that I can see. I don't know, like it's like going back to like you know I've mentioned it in like previous episodes to like. I didn't really care to to celebrate my like my my skin co- or not my skin color, but like I didn't care to celebrate that like I'm from my family's from Bangladesh. Like yeah, even I, like I when mean, I start when we're younger, I didn't either. Not when I was younger. Like even when I started making TikToks, like I remember like I was talking to my sister in her room, and I was like, I was like, oh, like I don't want to be known as like the brown guy that dresses. Nice. I remember you like, telling wanna, me that too. I was just like, I just want to be known as a guy who dresses nice you know like i was like i don't care about trying to like present myself as as a brown guy i was like yeah like right. i want to be known as like a guy that dresses nice. dry that what did i just say i want to be known as a guy that dresses nice but like i'm also brown you know but, like if you want right. to recognize it that's cool but now i'm just like nah come on <laughs> um i actually i actually remembered another reason why I started doing everything. What is it? I think another big reason, a lot of you guys, if you don't know, I'm also a aspiring teacher. I'm currently student teaching in a first grade classroom. Last semester, I was in a fourth grade classroom. And, you know, adding on to on, on top of what um, I was saying about Nabila's new book that came out, I think it's obviously so important to like read that to first graders and elementary school kids just just to show them that there's people that look like us and that, you know, their identity is shown in media and just they're validated. But I I just, like, felt so nice when this fourth grade Bengali boy, like, came up to me 
telling me about his anxiety and he was only able to open up to me because I'm brown and and I was the first teacher that he had that was brown and yeah I, I think like yeah first I want um kids to have that representation where they're able to you know comfortably just talk but also I just want people to be able to like comfortably talk about conversations that they've never really had before because I want to be like the 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 sparker with my art and like the podcast episode is that the word sparker that's not the word oh but you guys know what i meant sparker you could you you could be the uh the the emblem ignition (laughs) you know what (laughs) the vessel that's a good one i I stole his word machine asked me the other day he was like he was like what word would you use to describe yourself and i said advocate and he said vessel i said advocate or i said advocate or educator you said educator, yeah. I said both, I said yeah. vessel. I said right. vessel. What do you, you know? What why? does vessel mean to you? You know why? Because that's a perfect transition into my my explanation. You know, so I'm gonna take the floor right. now. Right. So right. take it. So I asked you that question, and I don't. I think I was again like listening to a rap battle, and and somebody said the word vessel, and I was just I was just thinking about that, and I think also what I thought about it was I realized that. When I publish my book and I, you know, go go more into the paintings and stuff, I realize that I'm going to have to change my bio in my Instagram to, like, say that, like, I'm doing something, you know? You know how people have, like, the, the self, visual art. Self-published like author and illustrator. Something like that. I'm not going to say all that, but I was like, what can I say that's, like, not too much, but is, is a good word that really embodies who I am? And I thought of the word vessel. And... I I would I like to call myself a vessel because you know to answer the same question that I asked you in being like why I am doing what I'm doing and why I want to pursue it more than just a hobby that I do for fun is like going back to like my family my my dad went to the University of Dhaka and he got a master's in writing and his whole time at university he would go to the museum of Dhaka or the it was the Dhaka Museum of Art, um, like every other day, his dream was always to have his artwork up there. He's an amazing illustrator. Some His drawings are some of the craziest shit I've ever seen. Um, he's a big fan of art. You know, I remember when me and my sister would take him to the museum here, like I would like turn around and he would just be lost and he would just be staring at like the smallest thing on the wall. So yeah, he's, he's, he's very much into that. And when he moved to America... His, in his immigration process, his last name got messed up. He couldn't get a hold of his um, degree, and he had to settle as working as a taxi driver when he could have, you know, gotten a job as as a professor or something. You know, that was his his plan. And on on the other end, my mother, she um, when she was nineteen, she started working in the the Bangladesh Airlines, which. You know, being a 19-year-old in the 1980s in Bangladesh as a woman, working in the airlines is is literally unheard of, you know. And she was the only woman in her family that was working. And she's always been, you know, just like an advocate for, for, for getting out there and for working. And she's always, like, been amazing with speaking to people. That's literally how she got the job, you know, as a 19-year-old. She was just really good at talking to people. And... So fast forward to like me today, sometimes I really think about like this, like this used to be a question 
what I asked you used to be a question that I would ask myself so much, maybe around like a year or two ago is like, why, why am I so into the things that I'm into? Cause it like, this isn't new for me either. Like back when I was in high school, like I was totally into like all this shit. Like I was into writing. I was into the arts. I've always been into this shit. You know, I've, I've had to battle with the question of like, is this something I do for fun? Is this something that I want to do more seriously? And I didn't realize until I was older, the reason why I want to do this more seriously is because both of my parents got their cut, both, like they got their lives cut short by, you know, things that weren't in, uh, in their control. My dad lost his last name in immigration and he couldn't pursue his, his, his dream of working, you know, as a writer or as a professor teaching English. Um, my mother had to get married because, you know, even though she was out in the workforce, literally the day she was supposed to go on a flight to Japan, like the van pulled up in front of her house was the day that my dad's family came over and my mom didn't even know. My mom's family set it up like behind her back and then boom, she got married and then, you know, her life gets cut short. So that that kind of makes me remember like another reason of mine that that fuels yeah. me to keep going is is similar to yours like my mom also um came to the u.s at in like the early when she was in her early 20s she went to the same college as me she actually also did english and she ended up getting pregnant with me so she never graduated so then i felt that it was like a very big um, necessity for me to just go back to that school finish that degree, same degree that she was taking, and finish early. So I was kind of fulfilling fulfilling her dream. And I also remember, like, when I first came out with my clothing line last year, she um, actually started crying. She was like, she was like, oh, you're doing everything that I've dreamed of doing when I was younger. And another thing on top of that, when she came to see the mural I painted at the bubble shop, Pio Chai, she also said, like, you're doing so much at this age in comparison to like how I got married at the same age that you're at right now, you know? So like, like you, it's just crazy to see how like our destiny is kind of based on our parents' destiny. Exactly. And before I make my final point, one more thing that I would like to say is like literally the same as you. Um, you know, my my dad has been living in Bangladesh the last couple of years, and you know he he doesn't really know what's going on in my life like that. My mom told him that I had a showcase at the museum and I wrote a book, and my sister was on the phone with him, and my dad's just like, oh, like why did he move out? Why does he have? Why is he paying so much in rent? Like why is he he could just be living at home? And like my sister walked it through him like, oh, like you know he couldn't he wouldn't be able to do the things that he's aspires to do if he was just living at home, you know, like he's 23 years old. He, he wants to pursue writing and artwork and, and, you know, he knows what's best for him. And even if it means struggling financially or not being as financially successful in the short term, he knows it's going to work out in the long term. And she told my dad that, and my dad just kind of chuckled and was like, like, was like, you know, I used to be just like that. It was like, you know, he's, he's a lot, he's doing exactly what I was doing. That conversation made it easier for my dad to comprehend, like, why I'm, why I'm working so hard, you know? I think it's crazy how, like, 
a lot of the things that our parents warn us against, like, I don't know, like, don't pursue this job because it doesn't make money, or like, don't move out because whatever, like, I feel like they also experienced these feelings when they were younger too, and they're- Yeah. And then, like, once we actually act like how they were in their younger, like, self, they get kind of, like, freaked out because we're literally, like, a duplicate of how they were. And then they're trying exactly. to, like, warn, they're trying to warn us because that's, like, a warning to their to themselves. But it's also, like, they wish they were brave enough to, like, or not even, like, brave, but also, like, they wish that they had the opportunity to kind of do the things that we have. I, I love that you said that because that's like the perfect segue into like my final point of like kind of why I want to talk about this whole topic. And like, you know, before we get into all the questions, which thank you guys, we have, we got so many questions about different things that you guys have been struggling with and different obstacles that you've had to, to face. And I say that all to say, like, I think when it comes to like this idea of going against the grain in our community and having our parents being like the biggest brick wall in our way of trying to stop us and trying to tell us like, Oh, like don't go this way. Like, you know, there's a much more safer route. I feel like the way to go about that is to like really do what we just talked about is to like dissect why we're trying to do what we're trying to do and, and understand that, the primary reason I think at its core is because of our parents. And I think if you just unravel this whole idea with them and explain to them, like, like bring them the evidence of like, I'm doing this because, because of you and explain, you know, it's like in your life, you didn't get the opportunity to do this or you wanted to do this and weren't brave enough or something happened in your life and you weren't able to pursue this anymore but and that's just also explain like, to them. That's also like a privilege because I know that some parents are just like not willing to understand or listen to their kids. So like we're saying this, but with caution, you know, like don't just say all these things to your parents knowing that it's like a toxic relationship and you're not going to get the results that you want. I don't know. I guess you're right, but I guess I just have a different perspective on that. In that, you know, like, I, I've had a very toxic relationship with, with my parents in the past. And I think, I think what I'm just saying now is, is something, is something that would work 100%. Obviously, like, there's a time for everything. Maybe it's just not time for that conversation. Maybe you, you can't just pop up this, this conversation out of nowhere. You know, there are certain steps that you have to take prior to it. But I think for the most part, like, you know, if I I think in in our culture, like a lot of things make sense, and I think if all of my questions I've had in life have been answered by just sitting down and just by thinking and just by looking back, and you know, like I guess take this with the grain of salt, but I feel like that realization I've had on my own has been you know the strongest thing I've 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 felt so. My whole point in this episode to talk about this was to say, like, you know, the things that that we face obstacles with, I feel like a lot of them have have a lot of deep meaning and have a lot of deep reasoning. And I feel like if you just work these ideas out in your head and dissect them, um, 
they can be a lot more easy to to digest with your parents who are probably like the 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 main thing stopping you from doing what you're doing you know does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah i think like what i was thinking about when you were saying that is is last summer when all the black lives matter protests were happening i um remember that i wanted to go to a protest but that's when the peak of covid was really high right and i remember just like storming out of the house and my mom not really supporting it and I was mad because in my head I was like, you know, why is she acting like racist? I thought she didn't want me to go because she wasn't supporting that. And so like I didn't talk to her for a few days. And then I remember coming back home. Well, not not coming back home. I remember like talking to her after a few days and we were just like talking about that. And she was like, she was like, no, I wasn't mad at the fact that you were going to protest. Like I used to go to so many protests in front of my university in Bangladesh like she used to be very active and she still is and she was like I was only mad because you were going in like the the biggest peak of COVID like I was worried about your safety but you know as long as like you were safe with everything that's fine but it just like shows how like there was like a misunderstanding and like I was literally just acting exactly how she would have acted back in the day and the biggest misunderstanding is what like hurt our relationship in that time but if we just had like a simple conversation then that would have just like cleared everything up because we really are just like duplicates sometimes of our parent parents yeah communication is everything we gotta do an episode how to talk to your parents one-on-one <laughs> you're, we don't you're know. We, we... president of that <laughs> come on all right, so now we're going to move on to the responses that we got on our story. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, it's difficult-ish. If you haven't followed us already on Instagram, it's difficult You can always count on Wishnoon for repeating exactly what I just said twice. difficult Three times. But, um, but we actually, I actually talked on the Instagram story this time and I said, can you please reach out to us about some of the struggles you faced about going against the norm or against the grain? And what advice you would give to your past self or someone experiencing this. And we actually got so many different responses about different things. So it's yeah. kind of it's kind of like all over the place. But I hope you guys get something out of it. And I hope you guys can relate to some aspect of it. Because there are a few. And we do um, want to make individual episodes of some of these topics. So stay tuned. But yeah. So the first one is actually about art. And she said, I took arts as a subject of school and don't get me wrong, my parents are somewhat okay with it, but they keep considering art as a side thing. So when I do do my art homework, they think I'm wasting time. And recently it got worse and they started saying that they can't boast about me because I took arts. And they said, quote unquote, we can go with it, but can your relatives? You're always just going to be the dumb one out and you're going to be blamed because we are your parents. Like, damn, I just like art. So her advice that she wants to say to people experiencing this is sometimes traditional ways aren't the best options and when lost, make your own option. I really like that. You definitely do have to make... Wait, what? Say that last part again. Her advice to herself is sometimes traditional ways aren't the best options and when you get lost, make your own options. Yeah. Well, you gotta say Well, I can definitely relate to the fact that like when you pursue art, it's kind of treated as the hobby or like a side thing while you're doing another main thing and it's never enough i've definitely experienced like oh like what will other people say when 
you want to do something like this. And it takes a long time for people to actually take you serious. Like, it's not until you're making money. It's not until you're actually getting, like, some level of status with it, which is really sad. And, yeah, no, honestly, like, I feel really sad that, like, your major something that you actually like doing is it's still only valuable if, like, your parents and your relatives are okay with it. Like, that just you liking it is not enough for everyone else's I think approval. my thing is, like, so so for the people who who have a passion for art, you know, passion comes from the heart. You know, nobody nobody in the world knows what your heart's like. You know, that's that's just for you. No matter how close the person is, whether it's your mother, whether it's your significant other, nobody's going to understand, like, how much you feel for something. And I think, you know, with your parents telling you, don't do this, treat it as a hobby, blah, blah, they don't like when you're doing it, you know, they're not they're not attacking your heart. They're just attacking, like, their perception of, of what they think is going on. I don't think, you know, it's nothing against your passion. It's nothing against, like, the love you have for art. It's just, you know, people are, are just going to try to stop you at, at step one because they're just blind to, like, steps two through a hundred, you know? They just don't mm-hmm. know anything about that. And it's, you know, they and they're don't, also scared. Yeah, they're, they're scared for... The, the fear comes from, like, not knowing, you know? The, right. It's a fear of the unknown. But that also, like, kind of relates to how, like, like for my reason of me doing art and trying to make more of a presence to inspire more people, it just shows that, like, we need people like us in media for our parents to be okay with their kids pursuing these odd professions in the future, you know? I, th- I think even if there's people, the parents are going to feel the same because the parents are like, yeah, they could do it, but, like, you're my kid and, like, I know you and, like, you can't do it. So mm-hmm. I think, like, even if there's people, like, you see, like, Shah Khan's, like, one of the most freaking, like, the the one of the wealthiest actors in the world. But think of, like, you know, how, how hard it would be for, like, me to want to pursue acting, even mm-hmm. though, like, parents see it's possible. Like, it's like all a these unicorn parents- job. All these parents fantasize about Shah Rukh Khan, you know, but like when it comes to their kid wanting to be Shah Rukh Khan, it's like, nah, you can't do that. That's for Shah Rukh Khan. Right. So I think all in all is like, you know, as as we've learned through like the art process is like, they're just scared of that first step. I think you should keep doing it, whether it's like in secret or whether it's just going against their word and just get yourself to a place where you can like physically show them that you're doing something whether yeah. it be like you know like locking down a commission you know sh- like showcasing some of your work at like a gallery like doing something with your friends like outside the house like putting your stuff on a t-shirt having like your friends wear it stuff like that like they they need that physicality and they need to see that this is becoming something more than just like you know at the end of the day like it all comes down to money you know it's like are and- you can you make money off of this? I know when you're faced with all of these negative comments for pe- from people that you love of, of something that you love doing, there's this feeling like, okay, like maybe they're right. Maybe I should stop doing it. And it kind of just makes you not want to do it anymore because you don't have that support anymore. And you just start listening to like the negative voices. So like what I'm saying is that keep doing this thing that is making you so happy and just push all those voices aside. And really just pour yourself into your art. That goes back to what I was saying. They're they're not attacking your heart. They're just they're just it's just fear of the unknown. And you mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like you can't blame somebody for that, you know? 
All right. So we actually got a lot of questions regarding relationships and interracial relationships and just how you have to kind of keep it a secret. And even if you do tell your parents, they don't accept it. And yeah, I think relationships in general, especially with people that are from different cultures or religions or sex or anything, whatever it is, it's like really hard to navigate with parents because they're very narrow-minded with something like that. And I'm not really sure how to approach a parent with something like that. I haven't really had to recently. I'm not I'm not either, but I think like a a conversation that I think could be useful for somebody going through that is and I, I guess this varies like family to family. But um, you know, something that I would bring up to my mom if, you know, I wanted to to marry like somebody who was outside of my religion or outside of my culture. I feel like something you get to say is like a lot of our parents have had arranged marriages. A lot of them that were just out of their control. Right. Um, you know, my my mom got married, married off. You know, it was it was her family's decision, and um, you know, the, the marriage w- wasn't wasn't all like peaches and cream the whole time. You know, so and I think throughout that process, my mother has realized that like marriage is something very sacred. So marriage is something. That has a an unlimited amount of depth to it that nobody in the world is going to understand other than the couple that's getting married. I think if you try to explain to your parents that you under like you understand all of the traditional norms and you accept all of those and you know you're not gonna lose your faith, you're not gonna lose your heritage, this experience is only going to make your appreciation for what you are even greater because you know the the separate marriage is going to celebrate your individuality it's going to separate the the different distinct features between you and your you and your partner that that come from a different background and i think at the end of the day arranged marriage i, I don't know what the percentage is but i would i'm i just know the 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 divorce rate or the separation rate is incredibly high and i mm-hmm. think our parents in their life like they they're so set on the idea of like having a traditional marriage to where they kind of like tuck to the back of the side the thought that they already know how sacred and deep love can be. They already know that, but they're just so set on just doing things the right way. But I think if you try, just try to tap in like really deep and try to dissect really deep into like that part of their brain where they understand that marriage is something deep, that's that's the best thing that I can really say. Again, like I don't get this. It's not me in those shoes, but... And I think it comes with a lot of patience of trying to get them to understand what a whole lot it, of it is that you're doing. Like, you really have to give them a lot of time. Once again, I've never really experienced something like this as of recently. And I think a lot of parents, like... What's the word where they, like, put their own uh, ideologies and thoughts on you? Um, I know the word. I know the word. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Project yes project yeah i got i know teamwork makes the dream work oh so a lot of parents like projecting their feelings on you depending on how they were affected growing up so you know if, if like their husband didn't do something if the wife didn't do something they assume that the kids aren't gonna have that so like mm-hmm. if the husband doesn't like cook for you or something whatever it is they're gonna assume that oh like you 
marrying someone else from a different culture, like the husband's not going to cook for you, you're going to lose this part of your culture, whatever it is, you know? You know what I mean, like different things. Obviously, that's not an example. But like, you kind of have to show them that their relationship, like a lot of them are traumatized from their relationships. You just have to show them that like the relationships that you're going through are hopefully not going to be like that. And things are just so much more different now, you know? And like, they don't have to be fearful of of your life because you're marrying someone or like you're dating someone of a different culture or or race or whatever it is because i think they're mostly just scared that you're gonna have a life like them you know yeah exactly yeah i i really think it it comes with a lot of like patience and teaching them and really just showing them like at first it might be hard to like introduce the person to the family but honestly it's probably the best to introduce them in some way one one form or the other other because like they just have to get used to like them actually being a real person and them doing things like really well you know like they have to see the person you're introducing them to and see how they're actually like a really good person regardless of whatever culture or whatever like religion they are so what happened to like not having anything to say about that you just went on you snapped it just it just came out of nowhere that's crazy I snapped, you know I put myself right. in, in, in their shoes. Mm-hmm. You projected. I projected. All right, so we're going to do one last one. This one is about moving out. Someone said that they moved out at 17 for school, and now they've been living eight years by themselves. And their advice is that you should always put yourself first, your happiness first, and don't give in to emotional blackmail. And um, if the people can't respect you for your decisions, then they don't deserve to be a part of your life. So, I like that. Not so much that last part where you said whatever, like da da da, like they don't deserve to be a part of your life. I think that's going a little overboard. I think people, they they have a, or I say people, but in this like tense, it would be your parents. I think your parents, it, it doesn't, it's not a matter of like respect or disrespect. It's just you know, just a fear of a fear of loneliness, like a, a they they have they've been traumatized. They have paranoia. Um, I didn't. So I, I moved out a couple months ago and I don't come from a place where like, you know, my, my mother was trying to like emotionally hold me back. My mother was like, like physically trying to hold me back because, you know, she's at home alone and she just kind of didn't want to be alone i don't think there was much emotion i mean of course there was emotion behind it but it was more so like you know she physically does not feel comfortable being alone you know she feels like the relationship that me and her have is going to disintegrate if i spend some time by myself and you know obviously in the beginning like signing the lease and the whole moving out process was difficult for her but um I think something that is important to our remind our parents when it comes time to moving out. And of course, we're going to have a whole episode on moving out in the future. So I'm not going to go into detail. But my mother, the relationship between me and my mother has uh, is stronger than ever. And I've been moved out for the last couple months. I'm able to talk to her about shit that like I've never been able to talk about. She knows about this. She knows about this podcast. Mom, if you're listening, I love you. And And she can vet for me that, you know, like. The conversations we have are a lot more deep. They're a lot more tense. We're able to just speak about a lot of like the hidden things that we've always just pushed it aside because it was like we were just like way too comfortable in like each other's presence. And it took like that time away 
for things to be a little separate. And now we're coming back together and we're having such more, such deeper connections. And, and it's been the greatest decision in my life. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to go into moving out another episode. We don't have to speak about it, but moving on is dope. It's hard. I get it. I get it. It's really hard, but it's a very great decision for us to make. Yeah, I think in the moment of anger when your parents aren't really accepting the fact that you want to move out, I think it's very easy to say like, okay, then they don't deserve to be a part of my life because they're not respecting my decisions. And I've definitely been on that boat too. But like at the end of the day, like what you said, Nishun, like it is just fear. They're scared of being by themselves. They're scared of abandonment. They think that you leaving means you're just never going to contact them again. And yeah, I think I'm learning that the hard way now. All right. Well, uh, with that, I guess it is uh, time for our conclusion. As you know, we got as you guys know, we do a uh, ten second advice. Uh, you got a little ten second advice for our for our lovey our lovey viewers slash listeners. We should do a video. We should do like a video podcast one day. How many times are you gonna say this? Every single episode. So do you have ten second advice? Ten seconds, not like ten years. You know. Feel me. Let me think about it. Uh, all right. All right. I'll go first. I got it. Oh. <laughs> all right. All right. Go. <laughs> So my my method of of being mad at someone, especially my mom, is is just the silent treatment for for a really long time, right? And I realized that does jack shit. Both of us are stubborn. We're not gonna apologize because mm-hmm. we're not on that wavelength. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna end up talking like very delayed, and it doesn't end up like helping anyone, right? Yeah. So I realized that I gotta put my pride aside. Actually, you taught me this. I gotta put my pride aside. And just do this conversation thing, even if I'm so pissed. Just like, you know, get five seconds away to like get my my breath together and get my anger out by myself. But then I have to come back and talk to her when I'm mad. But I think that's really um, improved things a little bit more. Yeah, we, we get so focused on like, you know, what there is to gain in the short term. And I guess that, that ties into like, and like the advice I would give is like, you know, it's going back to tying things all around going back to to nipsey hustle you know his brain is called the marathon continues because he says you know life and success and fulfillment and happiness is not it's not a race like it's it's something that's that's lifelong it's going to take a lot of time to feel and and if you're in things for the long term that's when you're really going to reap the benefits so keep on track like keep working don't look for short-term benefits trying to improve if you put pride to the side if you stay patient and if you build on these relationships with your parents and think long term things are always going to work out you know it's god's plan what's the what's the um quote again it's a race not a not a marathon it's not a race it's a marathon feel me with with that being said thank you guys very much for listening to this episode um this is probably going to be our longest episode if you're listening to this point yeah we love you we do Here's yeah a, seriously we like, love thank you. you for listening you're to the us. bomb.com um if you're listening on apple pod if, apple if you're listening on apple Podcasts, um lisa yeah leave, what's wrong with me it's a long night. I got it. I got <laughs> leave it. us. I got it. Leave us five stars no no, no. start um, again why would you continue start again you don't like that, that you don't like that I'm going to keep this all in. 
No. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and say something nice to us in the comment section. Feel me? If you're listening on Spotify, download that thing. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, download that thing. If you're not following us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram at difficultish. Thank you guys for listening. We love you guys so much. We hope you loved it. We'll talk to you you. later. Kulafas.